And that's sort of like what I want media to do for Black women as well. Break down the walls that we have to be strong. Like we're strong because we're like forced to be, but we don't always want to be strong. We want to be soft sometimes. We want to be held. We want to be in stories where it's not like the stereotypical romance or we're not like sort of like the second lead in action, you know. We just want to be able to do different things. We just want to be. We just want to be. This is Somewhere and Elsewhere, a Coastal Carolina arts podcast by Shoresides. We share and uncover stories from the artists that call Coastal North Carolina home. I'm your host, Antoine Williams. An artist is always in a constant state of evolution with their practice, learning from their experiences and gathering new inspiration from the world around them. For Jacinda Eight, a graphic designer and digital artist in Greenville, North Carolina, her artistic practice has been evolving since she was just 13 years old. Through her work, both professional and personal, she aims to express the experiences she has accumulated through her years of practice and weave her own narrative into the art that she creates. Um, so it's COVID, it's COVID season. Yeah. It's been COVID season for a while. How it has, has COVID, uh, affected your practice or the quarantine? Um, and if so, how? I wouldn't say if like, um, it affected it a lot, but I am a artist at a studio here in Greenville. So it's like our out, we completely just like lost two or three months of going to the studio, we were working from home, and then we're finally coming back, but we're on reduced hours. So that would have to be the biggest difference because while I was at the studio, I was making money through selling prints of my art and stuff or selling like originals. So I was making money from that. And since it closed, I couldn't make no money from that. But the funniest thing is, even though I lost money from going to the studio, mm-hmm. A lot of people have been contacting me for commissions and stuff during quarantine. So I think I've more than made up what I have lost from the studio by taking different commissions. Um, currently working on a graphic novel with somebody. Um, I'm currently doing illustrations for a sort of board game. At least I, it's, the way I describe it is a board game. It's actually something much more than that currently doing illustrations with that and I still have like my recurring clients as well so has it been a huge change but it's been a little bit of a change yeah so that was sort of my next question because you know you have artists who they do sculpture they do large sculptures Mm -hmm. or they paint or even like they do performance right things where people for the most part are, are have to be there in person but you as someone who works digitally do you feel that is a little more advantageous like in this time because people can still engage your work the same way they could before mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah, I think honestly being a digital artist and because of the fact that I don't have to leave the house unless I need to, even before COVID came out, it sort of made like the whole going from being out, being able to be out to being on lockdown. It made it not a struggle. Because I'm like, if you need me, you have my email. We could do Google Meets. You, If you have my phone number, you can call me. So I was always able to stay in touch with people. 
I was like, if you don't need to meet in person, we're not meeting in person. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. But yeah, so for me personally, it hasn't been hard, but I do understand. And I, and I sympathize with the other artists who sort of like make their money from having to be out and be with people. I know that's horrible right now. How would you describe your art practice? Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it because <laughs> a lot of times it's more like I just get an idea and I run with it. And then other times I don't have an idea at all. So I'll just start doodling something just to like get my hands moving and then maybe it'll turn into something. Maybe it won't. If it doesn't, I sort of just scrap it and then do it again until I actually have something. Oh, so you do a lot of sketching? Yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Getting into artists was I would just sketch all my notes during classes. Wouldn't actually be listening. Still made A's, but I'll just be drawing most of the time. Right, right. And then so you start with drawing but how did you get to create digital art? Oh man, so started drawing traditionally, started painting traditionally. And while that was cool, I didn't have a scanner at the time. So I wasn't able to like post it to DeviantArt where I first started. So I sort of just kind of needed a graphic tablet. Yeah, so I sort of like needed a tablet to do that. And I started getting into that and it was like drawing on paper but it wasn't like it at the same time because I wasn't seeing what I was drawing on the tablet I had to look at the screen so I sort of like trained my brain to just not look at what I draw and look at that which wasn't hard it was an interesting learning curve because like after you get used to that you're like oh I don't need to look at my hands no more and then to go back to drawing on paper you're like oh I kind of do have to look at my hands now so yeah, I think I started that when I was 12 or 13 is when I first started doing digital art. Oh, wow. So you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Oh, you're OG then. You, yeah, <laughs> good. Um, do you still draw with paper, pencil, yeah, traditionally? Yeah. All the stuff I've seen of yours is looks digital. Yeah, it's most of it's digital. I have, I think I have a couple pieces on my portfolio that are traditional pieces. Um, those are mainly like watercolor and gouache and acrylic though but I still have like my little sketchbook that I use to like sketch out I mainly do traditional sketches when I'm like talking to clients and they need something to just sort of look at and have an idea of so I usually keep that with me but other than that I'm like probably about 85 to 90 percent digital art right now trying to get back into traditional art okay so please tell us about Stepsisters. So Stepsisters, I actually started working on that in high school. I think I was a sophomore when I first started writing it. And me, I know what the kind I knew the kind of story I wanted to tell with it. And I knew how I wanted the art to like somewhat look. So being that I was like fifteen or fifteen or sixteen, I knew that my art wasn't where I wanted to be. Even after like the first chapter, I was like this isn't how I envision it looking. So I would stop it. I would rewrite it. And then I would try it again the next year once my style had evolved a little bit. It still wasn't like the way I wanted it to be. So I stopped and rewrote it, started again. I've probably rewrote this thing about three or four times until I started on the current version, which I started my senior year in college is what the current version 
is so 2017-ish. 2018, 2019. Yeah, so this current version has been going on for probably about three or four years. And, but Stepsisters is, you know, it's, I call it Slice of Life just because it's like an all-encompassing genre where a lot of Slice of Life will have like a little bit of action, some drama, some romance, some comedy. It has a little bit of everything. So, but it's about Maria Cato. She is a biracial black Japanese um, teenager who finds herself with a new stepmother and stepsister because her mother you know died but like the story itself is sort of like is dealing with the grief of losing a parent um it's sort of dealing with overcoming how that parent died because her mother died in a car accident so it's definitely like learning to deal with PTSD and also just sort of like trying to not, I'm not going to say get over it, but sort of like face it step by step by step or face it at a pace that you're comfortable with versus trying to go all the way in. It's not, it's Maria's story. Maria is supposed to be the central character, but because it's based off her relationships with other people, you're also like learning about the other characters. You're learning about Ren, her best friend since childhood. You're learning about um, Sania Carter, her two other best friends. You're learning about Sarah who is basically her arch nemesis my favorite thing that this comic is going to be about is definitely exploring Maria and Amy and their relationship and how it unfolds and then where Ren comes in the best friend I am a sucker for the friends to lovers trope oh like the friends who they start out as friends friends yep and then they go will they want they and all that yeah yeah, so I'm I'm a real sucker for that trope. So that trope is going to be there a lot. So it seems like there's a lot of yeah. So it seems like there's a lot of a lot of different uh, personalities and different dynamics with that. So I I was looking at like your work and something that I I really enjoyed about your work that sort of drives me mad with a lot of mainstream comic book art um, is I. I, and, and you may not think your work this way, but I really like how there's this blending of like masculine and feminine features uh-huh. in a lot of the work. Because a lot of the comic book stuff I look at, it looks like it was drawn by just like a weird 12 year old boy. And I'm just like, <laughs> come on, like you're you're like an adult. Like, like, what? like you know, and so yeah. looking at your uh, uh, your bio, you said that um I wanted you to talk to us about, uh, you said your uh, one of the things of your work is the yin and yang of feminine, femininity and, and masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the easiest way to describe that is to look at sort of like Maria and Amy as characters because they like encompass that idea in a sort of way because Maria, she's like the tomboy. She's muscular. She works out. She's um does MMA. She has like a black belt in jujitsu. And Amy, you know, she's the soft one, soft-spoken, usually, like, very much timid, very much, like, waiting for somebody else to, like, sort of take the lead and tell her what to do. And so when I say, like, the yin and yang and masculine femininity, I think that as people in general, we are both feminine and masculine because being feminine doesn't mean, like, being womanly. It's, It's more like, you know, you can show your soft side, you can 
you know, take care of your skin, take care of your hair, take care of your body. You can be nurturing. You can be compassionate. And our masculine side is sort of like, I don't like the way this is. I don't like how it's like been this way, but like people assume masculinity with being driven, being go-getting, you know, being hard, being, you know, guarded and all of that. And while yeah, I think they're not, fem- they're not polar opposites. As well, that's like the easiest way I can explain to people to make them understand what I mean when I say like you can both be feminine and masculine. Like you can be compassionate and all that, but you can still be driven. You can still be go-getter. You can still be a go-getter. You can still do what people deem as masculine. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not polar yeah. opposites. Yeah, they're not opposites. So the fact that people think that is why we have so much dissonance when it comes to people talking about gender because gender roles aren't one-stop shop so people got to understand that it takes both sides to make a whole person and while you may more outwardly appear as feminine or more outwardly appear as masculine you still have the other half the other side of the coin yeah and like with gender i think people don't realize that you can define what that means for you yeah. And that's one reason I think you're, you're, what you're doing is interesting is that you're defining it or you're defining your characters in a way that makes sense for you, not really worrying about like what this sort of tradition of like what a mm-hmm. maybe traditional like uh, character who is a woman supposed to look like. Um, what, uh, what programs are you using? Um, so I use Clip Studio Paint EX. I've been using that since I got started in digital art. So... Before it became Clip Studio Paint, it used to be Manga Studio. And so I had Manga Studio 5, which was good. And then I upgraded to the EX version because I wanted to be able to do comics. And you needed EX to have like long comic pages. Mm -hmm. And so mainly that, I use Adobe Creative Cloud for like my graphic design work and my graphic design clients. I use that. But it's mainly those two, technically two programs. Yeah. Um, so speak. You you mentioned comics. So in regards to comics or just overall, like what what are some of your your art influences? Because I, I saw in your your bio you had mentioned um, manga. Um, me actually liking manga and anime started back when I was in kindergarten. I think it was kindergarten because I used to wake up early to get ready for school, and when I wake up early, Inuyasha would be on the TV. It would be either Inuyasha or Cowboy Bebop. Or, or Trigun. It was those three that would always be on the TV when I wake up early. So I started watching those three first. And then, like, I think it was around either fourth or fifth grade when Naruto came out in America, like, as far as anime goes. So I started watching that when it first came on. And it would come on to Nami back when it would come on Cartoon Network versus Adult Swim like it does now. And so I started watching Naruto when it first came out all the way up until it ended, like, a couple of years ago. And then I also watched Bleach. I actually started collecting the manga for Bleach and Naruto because I absolutely adore like action. I do like the slice of life. I like the romance. I like the thriller. I like the suspense. But when I was younger, I really liked the action and the scenes and the pacing and all the effects that it would have. Yeah. It's weird. Like Tanami is responsible for like at least, I'm going to say at least two generations of like yeah. artists. Um, or they have some hand in it because yeah, Tanami was like really inf- influential so before i move on i like what just what about that type of art and animation and storytelling draws you in so i think like when i first got started the fact that it was so different from what american cartoons used to be 
Because while American cartoons did have the action, like He-Man, She-Ra, it wasn't like colorful. It wasn't fluid. It was very like stiff animation, sort of. So what really drew me was like the fluidity of it, how you didn't have to stay inside the box to convey what you wanted to convey. The stories were actually more dynamic as well. The character development, which a lot of American cartoons didn't have at the time either. So it was really like being able to explore different characters, their thoughts, their um, psyches, and be able to evolve that or devolve that depending on how you wanted the story to go. You know, they basically made characters feel like real people. And that's something I really liked at the time. I still like it because, you know, it lets you explore different things This um, and sort of just gives you a way to sort of like understand how people think. And when you understand how people think, then you'll be able to understand how you go about treating other people who may or may not think like you or may or may not have the same ideas as you. And it just sort of like allows you to create a bubble where you can just like talk clearly and understand instead of talking to talk you talk to understand so uh your your main character is a um is a black woman right uh biracial yes. um could you could you talk to me about your thoughts on how black women are portrayed in comics and pop culture so we're definitely portrayed as sort of like the mom character where we're always the character to put the other members of the cast on 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 the cord where we always like playing hey you have to get this together you have to do this you have to do that and we're not allowed to show our soft side so maria is definitely that character where it's like she has to have to hold this front up but the more we delve into her story the more we like understand who she is and why she's like this the more that soft side will come out, the more it's like the breaking down of that wall around her. And that's sort of like what I want media to do for Black women as well. Break down the walls that we have to be strong. Like we're strong because we're like forced to be, but we don't always want to be strong. We want to be soft sometimes. We want to be held. We want to be in stories where it's not like the stereotypical romance or we're not like sort of like the second lead in action, you know. We just want to be able to do different things we just want to be we just want to be be a human being <laughs> yeah like yeah it's like just all that just to be a, a person like a fully fledged person is both strong weak you know they're all that so with that right like how how much of the like you talked about like black women being this this like traditionally being this mom character or this nurturing character that takes care of everyone else how much of that do you think that has to do with access uh, for black women to the in, to be inside the industry. I've noticed that we are getting more black women in the industry now versus when I was younger or versus when I was like in high school. So that's good to see like more of us getting in there and we're being able to tell our stories. But I definitely think media as a general, they sort of like base a lot of characters off of stereotypes. I definitely see like especially like a lot of old ones where it wasn't written by a black person or anybody like that wasn't white a lot of the time the black women do sort of like fall into the mammy stereotype where we're coddling the characters like we are compassionate we are nurturing but that's not all we are so why are we still sticking to the stereotype 
So I have one more question. Um, and you sort of touched on this earlier because um, another one of your themes that you said that was in your work was um, like anxiety. Um, mm -hmm. And again, right, looking at this ideal of black people, black women specifically being portrayed as fully, fully fledged, fully um, articulated human beings. Like how does anxiety or this ideal of anxiety make its way into your work? Because... I feel like a lot of people think we're not allowed to have anxiety. We're not allowed to have any sort of like neurodivergent thoughts. We're not, we're supposed to be this steady rock. When in actuality, we worried about a lot of different things. We worry about how we're going to be in our workplace, how we're going to be in our life, any relationships we might have. Like we're always worried about something. So the fact that we're always worried but people don't think we're allowed to worry. We're not allowed to be anxious. We're not allowed to be like depressed. We're not allowed to just talk to people about any mental problems we might have or mental hardships we might have. And so like when I deal with anxiety, I'm like, I just want people to know like, it's okay to have these thoughts. It doesn't mean you're less than, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're human. That a lot of people have these thoughts. And it's okay to find somebody to talk to about those thoughts as well. Like, you don't just have to hold it in. You don't just have to keep it to your friend group or your family group. It's okay to go to somebody outside, somebody that has the tools to help you understand what it is that is happening to you and understand how you can, like, better break down what's going on with yourself, you know? Definitely. Um, Yo, this is fun. Like I, I enjoy talking to you. This is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to Somewhere and Elsewhere by Shoresides. Know of an artist you think we should cover? Contact us at info@shoresides.org or visit shoresides.org to learn more about our work. I'm Antoine Williams. Thank you for listening.